Welcome to Harvest Church and Happy New Year. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. I'm Pastor Micah and uh, excited to be back in the house of the Lord together on the first day of the year. Uh, what an awesome way to start out 2023 together. Amen. Um, and so now I expect to see you here every Sunday after for the rest of 2023, right? This is a streak, like you're on a streak, just like, you know, your Wordle streak or your coffee streak or whatever streak you keep every day. This is your church streak. It starts today, okay? Um, no, we're just glad you're here. We're glad you're here worshiping with us. And um, I'm excited today because I'm not preaching. Um, that's not the reason I'm excited, but uh, I'm not preaching because, um, as many of you know, about a year and a half ago, we had uh, the blessing of God sending us a young man to lead our student ministry, Mason Yearly. And so over the last year, uh, I've been working with him, and we've been working each week to read through some preaching books and to, to train, do some training on preaching and to kind of sharpen him up and get him ready for his first sermon on a Sunday morning to our church, and that's going to be today. So please welcome Mason. Make him feel loved as he comes. Well, good morning. Welcome to Harvest Church. We are so glad that you are here with us this morning. And if you're joining us online, we welcome you as well. Uh, like you said, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mason Yearly. I am the student ministry director here. And I am uh, just so excited for this privilege and this opportunity to dig into God's word with you this morning. So we are just coming off the heels of a Christmas season. And I hope you all had a Merry Christmas celebrating with friends and family. And now we're gearing up for the new year. And as we all know, New Year's resolutions are huge at this time. And I was re as I was researching this week, I found it interesting in the things that people found as valuable for their New Year's resolutions. And I condensed a list of, of five things that, that people are really going after in this next year. So let me read them off for you. The first one is to exercise and lose weight. All right, this is a no-brainer. We're seeing all the ads for, like, you know, all the the, the gym memberships and, and all the, the things that are going on, this is a no-brainer. We see that every year. Number two, learning a new skill or a hobby. You know, getting creative, trying a new thing. Number three, save more money and spend less. Number four, spend more time with family and friends. And lastly, number five, quit a bad habit. Some of the examples they gave might be something like smoking or, you know, maybe you're cutting something from your diet, like uh, maybe you're cutting soda for this next year. Now, don't get me wrong, all of these things are great things, right? Being healthy, quitting bad habits, making good financial decisions, right? These are all good things. But oftentimes in our day-to-day in -day practices and decisions, and really as we're thinking about our New Year's resolutions, a lot of times we aren't really thinking about our walks with Christ, right? We're typically focused on all these things that maybe have good intentions and good goals that bring good fruit in our lives. And yet, with an eternal perspective, they are temporary. The things that we put all of our focus on when it comes to making goals and planning for the next year, they are ultimately secondary to sitting at Christ's feet. And Mary sets this example for us in Luke 10, uh, verses 38 through 42, and that's where we're going to be spending our time this morning. So if you need a Bible, feel free to grab one of the hardback ones around the seats around you. We would love to have you follow along with us as we dive into God's word. And as we'll see in our story with Mary we'll see that sitting at Jesus' feet is the good portion. Sitting at Jesus' feet is the good portion. 
Now, around this time, Jesus is at the height of his ministry. He's been traveling around. He's been performing miracles, and he's been teaching. And uh, prior to verse 38, we see a lawyer put Jesus to the test, and he asks him, what is he supposed to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds to the man by asking him, what is written in the law? And, of course, the lawyer responds by saying, love the Lord your God, but your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And after this encounter, the, the scene shifts towards uh, what we'll see in our text today with a contrast uh, of the heart postures of Mary and Martha. And I would like to begin this morning by jumping a little bit ahead and looking at our key text this morning, which is Luke 10, verse 42. It says, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So we're going to see this theme around our text this morning, to choose the good portion. And I really like what the NIV says, this translation. It says, rather than the good portion, it says, Mary chose what is better. Right? We're going to see this choice that Mary and Martha have to make. And, and we're going to see in Mary's heart posture that in being at Jesus' feet is simply better. Right? There's nothing that can beat that. And so with this in mind, let's walk through the story, and we'll see three things that choosing the good portion brings. And the first being that choosing the good portion brings a primary focus on Christ. Choosing the good portion brings a primary focus on Christ. Look with me back to verse 38 and 39. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So, so as I was saying, right, Jesus is, uh, in this time, he's traveling through, and he enters this village, which we know today to be Bethany, because that is where Mary and Martha lived. It was just a few miles east of Jerusalem. We also know that Mary and Martha were the sisters of Lazarus. And if you've been around the church long enough, you know that Lazarus is a pretty big character in the book of John. And uh, they were sisters of Mary and Martha, and they were close friends of Jesus. And so this is really an important distinction. We have to know and recognize that this is a completely different Mary than, than um, his mother Mary, right? We, we've got to know who we're talking about here. And so we see Jesus traveling through. He just has this interaction with this lawyer, and we see Martha welcome Jesus into her house. Now, we know that when you have company over, when you have guests over, we know that there's a level of work that goes into it, right? There's, you have to clean, your, uh, clean the house. You have to prepare the place for them to come in. And especially a lot of times in what we see, and especially in that culture, there was usually a meal that was being prepared, right? And so there's this work that's happening. She initiates this, uh, this, uh, this hospitality with Jesus. And we also, as we're introduced to Martha, we also see Mary. And right from the get-go, it says, she sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, this is a pretty significant moment because culturally speaking, this was uh, something that women weren't allowed to do. They couldn't assume the role of student. They couldn't sit at a rabbi or a teacher's feet. Only men could do that. They, they were the ones to be educated and to have these conversations where women were traditionally of service, like we were talking about with the hospitality, cleaning, prepping the place, and usually preparing, uh, preparing a meal. And so yet, despite this cultural norm at this time, Jesus brings Mary into the circle, and she is sitting at his feet, and learning from him, which was, ex which was ex culturally exclusive only to men. This is a huge deal. We don't just want to skip over that detail because Mary's desire to learn from Christ was greater than sticking to even the traditional norms of the day. And this point is really amplified 
in our next verse, and we'll see in verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Right, there's so much to unpack here. The first is that uh, it, it says that Martha was distracted with much serving. Uh, the, the word for distracted in the original language, it simply means to be pulled away or, or um, distracted uh, and dragged away in multiple directions. Essentially, her entire focus is solely on seemingly important things like serving, being a good guest, or being a good host, showing hospitality, being a good friend, right? They were close friends with Jesus. All these things were, were good, but yet they were secondary to being with Christ. Her focus was not on being with Jesus in this moment. And, and culturally speaking, right, Mary should be helping, right? Like, she's not, um, she's not helping Martha, she's, she's doing things all by herself. She's feeling the checklist of all the things that need to get done. She was serving all by herself, and she asked Jesus, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone, right? Like, tell her to help me. And, and there's also this detail of much serving, right? As I was saying, there's, there's this checklist, right? There's all these things that she has to do, and it's consumed her thoughts and her mind. And so because Mary is not helping this is building up within Martha this feeling of resentment and worry, and in Jesus' terms, distraction. Also notice that she addresses Jesus as Lord, and a lot of times a Lord can, can mean like a respected elder or a teacher, someone you really think of highly, uh, like a high regard, or you respect them highly. But in this context, Martha is recognizing Jesus as God the Son and ascribing to him authority in who he is. We know this to be true also because Mary, right from verse 39, it, she, it says she sat at the Lord's feet, right? This wasn't just some ordinary teacher or some ordinary rabbi that they were following at this time, right? They knew exactly who was in their home. And she understood the importance of being at his feet, especially because learning from a teacher in any way was culturally unacceptable in her case. On the other hand, we have Martha, and though she knows the significance of who is in her home, she was totally missing the point because she was, being, she was being pulled in so many directions her mind was totally on the checklist of all the things that needed to be accomplished now one important distinction has to be made here that serving is not a bad thing we know that to be true right and we see that in uh in several places all over scripture and i'd like to look at a few verses today and um the first one being mark ten forty-five. it says for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. Right? Jesus himself did not come to be served, but rather to serve. And not only to serve, but to give up his life as the ultimate sacrifice by dying for us. Right? Jesus exemplified this with a heart of humility. It wasn't that he came to earth as God and all this authority he was demanding and he was asking everybody to do everything to serve him. Rather, it was the total opposite. It was in this posture of humility that he gave up his own life so that we could be saved, right? That is the gospel that we cling to, right? And it's in this example that Jesus shows in himself what it means to be a servant in our own lives. First uh, Peter 4, 10 through 11, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, 
To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, when we come to Christ, we know that the Holy Spirit equips us with different spiritual gifts in order to serve others, to build up the body of Christ. And as this verse tells us, so that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Right? It is all about God's glory. And when we serve God and when we serve others, we live out service because it brings God's glory when we do so. So therefore, because we have spiritual gifts, right, we are intended to use them to serve God and to serve others. And because we're intended to use our spiritual gifts, we know that service is a good thing. Lastly, we look to Romans 12, 10 through 11. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Right, there's so many good things here, right? First, the, the call to love one another with this brotherly affection, like this like familial uh, relationship. And then also outdo. And outdo is not in the sense of competition, like you're trying to balance how much better you're doing at showing honor with other people. But rather, it's more of this collective, um, this mindset of, ser- of showing honor, making it a top priority to serve, and, uh, and having it be at the forefront of their minds. Right? So we see the significance of serving others in this text, but we also see the call to serve the Lord. Paul hits on the heart here when, he, when he's writing to his audience. He's calling out this slothful and zeal attitude, like this like laziness or this lack of diligence, this unwillingness to work. And on the contrary, he, he calls them to be fervent in spirit. Like, like it's like this picture of something that's burning, like it's white hot. And so therefore, in that, we're to serve the Lord. It should have this enthusiastic and joyful attitude accompanied with a willingness to work. And so all this to say that, that Martha was, the fact that she was serving was not a bad thing. In fact, it was a good thing. It was encouraged. But we see that, in, that being with Jesus is better even in good things. The problem with Martha in the story isn't the fact that, that um, she was serving, but rather it's because she was beyond distracted, right? She's thinking about this checklist of everything that needed to get done. And she's getting pulled in all of these different directions. And as a result, she's lost her joy in serving. She's uh, worried in accomplishing the necessary tasks, tasks. She's complaining that Mary isn't helping her, and she's really trying to embarrass her in front of company, right, to, to make her work, and even suggesting to that company, being Jesus, that he doesn't even care that Mary isn't helping her. Martha's attention was focused entirely on secondary things. Her service was a good thing. It was encouraged, but she didn't grasp what was ultimately primary in sitting at Jesus' feet. She only cared about that, which was secondary. Uh, there was a time, uh, probably, I, w- I would probably say fifth, sixth, maybe seventh grade, where um, I was just having a preteen meltdown. Now, parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about here with, with, when it comes to preteen meltdowns. But uh, I was having a bad day, and, and honestly, looking back, I don't even remember why I was so upset. But I was just not having it. It was a bad day. And, of course, at this point, I can't drive. And so I'm told, hey, you're going to go mow your grandma's lawn. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm having such a bad day. Like, can't we do this another day? But, therefore, I was, I'm dragged against my will, and, and I go, and we, we fire up the mower, and I'm just having a bad day. I'm complaining. I'm talking the whole time, just, like, so upset and just trying to get through it. And, and I was trying to move the mower as fast as possible. Like, I was, you know, the lines weren't straight. I was, like, cl- just crashing into the wall, into trees, into landscaping. I was skipping entire parts of the yard just to get it over with. And I thought, maybe if I just speed it up and I, I just get it all done, then it'll just be fine. 
Well, of course, I was rightfully grounded because my attitude was so bad. And my service to my grandma in that moment wasn't Christ-glorifying. It, was, it wasn't about loving her or showing her honor or serving her. It, it was entirely without joy. It was self-focused. My work was lazy and unsatisfactory. And my motivation was completely out of obligation. And a lot of times as we're, we're going through our, our day-to-day lives, our, our focus can look a lot similar in different respects. And in that moment of weakness for myself, my attention was entirely on secondary things like being comfortable, doing what I wanted to do, and even whatever had upset me and, and, and you know, whatever had, had, was bothering me at that time. But my focus was entirely on my circumstances, and therefore my attitude was poor. I missed a golden opportunity to serve my grandma because my heart attitude was, was just, it just absolutely stunk. And as a result, my service was inadequate. In that same way, Martha, she let the stress and frustration in the moment carry over into a division between her sister, uh, Mary. Culturally, right, Martha's frustration was justified, right? Like Mary wasn't helping her. She wasn't supposed to be sitting at a teacher's um, foot and learning from him, right? But she was supposed to be her, um, she was supposed to be helping in a lot of ways, the stress of the day, the frustration of the things in our lives, or even in good things like serving or being involved in the various ways like work or school and your different hobbies that you're a part of, whatever those things are, right, they can distract us from our walks with Christ because they, they are secondary. They aren't truly lasting and ultimately most important. Now, this isn't to say we, we shouldn't spend any of our time making good habits, doing good things, um, having hobbies that we love or... Uh, making careful and intentional plans about the future, but rather they have to be filtered through Christ and begin at his feet. Our future plans, when we're thinking about this new year, they have to be submitted to him because we need wisdom and discernment. Right? Our, our service to the Lord and to others is enriched because we understand Christ is our example. And ultimately, it's by his strength that we uh, are empowered to continue to serve, right? We don't serve on our own strength, but we serve through the Holy Spirit working in us. On the contrary, if we do things without intentionality or with it, without sitting at Christ's feet beforehand, we, we tend to, to fill our schedules with a lot of unnecessary busyness. We might fall into foolishness or fall into sin. We might grow weary when we serve because we're just trying to do it all on our own. And it's because of this that looking to Christ in all things is important. Keeping my eyes on Christ helps me focus on what is primary. Keeping my eyes on Christ helps me focus on what is primary. What's that thing like Martha in your life where it's just taking up so much of your thought life that it's distracting you from being with Jesus? It might even be a good thing like serving or or whatever. But, But what's that thing that's occupying so much of your mind that you aren't being with Christ? When we choose what is better, when we choose the good portion, it brings a primary focus on Christ. That's point number one. Point number two, choosing the good portion quiets anxiety and worry. Choosing the good portion quiets anxiety and worry. Look with me to verse 41. It says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Right, so Martha, right, she's distracted with much serving. She's getting pulled in all these different directions, and Jesus responds to her complaint and her question in a way that she doesn't expect. 
Right? He, he kind of rebukes her in this moment by telling her, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled about many things. Wow, like what a statement, right? Like, like Martha's all by herself. She's, she's doing all the, the tasks and she's trying to get Mary uh, to help her. And yet Christ doesn't side with her, right? He, he, um, he, he doesn't side with, with Martha in her request to tell Mary to help her. Instead, he meets her with rebuke, and she called, um, he calls Martha out and, and really recognizing the, the effect of not putting her priorities in order, right? They're totally all over the place. And it's because Martha's focus is not on being with Christ in this moment. There's so much that needs to be done. And it plays out in how she, she calls out Mary, right? Like, she's worried that things won't get done. She's concerned that she's serving alone and that Mary isn't helping her accomplish what is needed to get done. And that has left Martha in a, this vulnerable place, and she's feeling these tender emotions that she's experiencing, and in turn has lashed out from a place of worry and anxiety. Very clearly, we see that Martha's attention is so rooted in her circumstances that in the moment her primary focus isn't on Christ and has led to all these feelings of anxiety and worry. A coach, Jimmy Johnson, he was the, the coach of the 1993 Dallas Cowboys, and Tom Friends of the New York Times, he asked Coach Johnson what he told his players before they went on to the field for the Super Bowl. And here's what Coach Johnson says. He says, I told them that if I had laid a two-by-four across the floor, everybody there would walk across it and not fall because our focus would be on walking the length of that board. But if I put that same board 10 stories high between two buildings, only a few would make it, because the focus would be on falling. So essentially, he tells his players not to focus on the crowd or the media or the possibility of falling, but to focus on each play of the game as if it were just a good practice session. The Cowboys end up winning this game 52-7, to which is an absolute slaughter, like not even close. Right, and essentially, this is just really just a good take on worry, right? Like, Coach Johnson makes this excellent point because they would literally be doing the exact same activity, right? It's a two-by-four board, and they're just on, the, on the, the floor, and they're just walking, and you know, the goal is to get to the other side. But you increase the intensity of the surroundings, you're bound to have people that can't handle the pressure of walking across the board because it's ten stories high, Right, the goal changes. It's not about just get to the other side and move on. Right? It's, it's don't fall. It's don't look down whatever you do. Right? These guys were professionals. They, they trained their entire lives to play football. They knew football like the back of their hand. They played when they were kids, up through high school, through college, and now as professional athletes. And yet the intensity of the surroundings had increased. Right? This is the biggest game of the year. There's the crowd. The fans are roaring. The media is booming. There's this all-or-nothing nerve to the game because you don't want to be the team that loses the Super Bowl, right? You want to win. This didn't hinder their performance because their focus was on what was primary. It was accomplish our goal to win the game. And then they had this mindset even of just, it's just a practice session, right? It's just a normal game of football. In the same way, as a result of Martha's distraction and service, Martha was missing it, right? She was so wrapped up in the, frustration of Mary not helping her and all the stress of what was needed to get done that she lost her focus on what was truly important and as a result was filled with anxiety and worry. One of my favorite passages uh, of all time is Isaiah 26.3. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
Martha was lacking this perfect peace because her mind was everywhere else but Christ. If Martha would have had the proper focus, she wouldn't have spent so much time worrying over her circumstances. And so often in our culture with busy schedules and this never-ending desire to be productive in some way, we have a hard time just taking a pause from everything we got going on and just being with Christ. Like truly setting aside every distraction and just sitting at his feet and resting in him. And a lot, of that, a lot of times these distractions aren't necessarily bad things, right? They can have good intentions like providing for our families and work, making plans to set our kids up for success, stepping up in ministry and in, in service. But if we leave Christ out of all of these things, we're likely to find ourselves like Martha, full of anxiety and worry. When I stay focused on Christ in times of worry, I find rest in him. When I stay focused on Christ in times of worry, I find rest in him. This doesn't mean that all my problems are automatically solved, right? We know that to be true. But when circumstances arise and I give Christ my proper focus, when I sit at his feet, I can then view my circumstances with a temporary perspective. And it is in that that Christ walks us through them and we can rest in who he is in his character in the midst of those challenges. Choosing the good portion, it quiets anxiety and worry. Lastly, choosing the good portion is the one thing that is necessary. Let's back up a little bit. We'll, we'll enter back into our key text, verse 41. The Lord answers her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Verse 42, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. You see, Mary got it, right? She had the right perspective. She fully grasped the significance of who Jesus was. This wasn't just some ordinary teacher or some ordinary rabbi. This was the king of the universe. And she was sitting with Jesus in this moment and, and growing with him and listening and learning and being in relationship with him. And, and Christ says it's the one thing that's necessary, right? We can make all the plans in the world, but this is the one thing that truly matters. Mary has chosen the good portion. It, it, she's chosen what is better. And I, I want to hone in on this phrase, it says, which will not be taken away from her. And there's a lot of debate over what this is talking about. And some scholars think that this is really just more this, the, the general value of listening to Jesus, like this encouragement to listen and, and, and how she'd be remembered for that. Uh, others think this was more of just uh, like a historical thing, like, like maybe how Mary will be remembered is how she sat at Jesus' feet. And because of her place in history, that won't be taken from her. But what seems to be the most consistent is in sitting at Jesus' feet, what wouldn't be taken away from her is the eternal reward and the eternal value of doing that. Like in choosing the good portion and being the one thing that is necessary, there is eternal value in learning and being with Jesus. Right? Receiving the blessings of the kingdom of God and ultimately having salvation, receiving Christ as her Lord and Savior. Now, when we consider Jesus' response to Martha, like, there's all kinds of things that I think about because we don't necessarily see what happens after that, right? That's where the text ends. But I, I imagine that Martha's feeling extra frustrated, right? She's like, hey, Jesus, like, do you not care? I'm, I'm, all, I'm working like crazy. I'm all by myself. Mary's not helping me, right? She's not supposed to be sitting at your feet. She's supposed to be helping me. And, and you know, tell her to help me, like, side with me. Instead, she's met with rebuke. And tells her that Mary's doing the right thing. Like, it's the most important. 
I imagine Martha's feeling extra frustrated because she wants that help. She needs those extra hands. I personally would hope that, that as, as a result of Jesus' rebuke in this moment, that, uh, that she would really just see the significance of, like, you know what, you're right. Like, I'm totally missing it. I'm, I'm totally so focused on the checklist of everything that needs to happen, and I'm not spending time with you. Like, I get it. And that she would like, hopefully jump in. Regardless, what we do see is that being with Jesus and spending time with him has eternal value, and that Mary was doing the right thing in being with Jesus in this moment. In, in my college years, uh, I, I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and uh, the president of Moody, Mark Job, he always shared this passage with us really at the beginning of the semester. It was always this transition point, and there was a visual that he had shared with us that, that has always just stuck with me and resonated with me, and I would love to share it with you this morning. When we look to this story and we think about Mary's heart and her desire to choose the good portion and keeping the one thing necessary, he shared with us that sitting at Jesus' feet, it's kind of like the top button of a dress shirt. Like, I would, I would make the argument that the top button is the most important part of the shirt, right? Like, if you miss the top button, the whole thing's messed up. Like, if I take my top button and I put it in the wrong slot and I continue with each button down the line and I go in consecutive order, it's going to be all crooked and out of order. Like, I would hope that some of you would pull me aside and be like, Mason, this looks ridiculous. You look awful. We got to change this. We got to start over, right? Like, it looks so bad because we started at the wrong place, right? You move that top button in the wrong slot, and it's all out of order. But when you begin with that top button at the right place, and you continue down the line one after another, you see that it looks correct. You would have no questions. You say, Mason, you look great. Like, good job this morning. You, you got dressed. That's awesome. You see, Martha, she didn't start with the right button. In the moment, she missed the one thing that was necessary by sweating the secondary things and stressing the, the things that, in the, in the grand scheme of it all, just weren't nearly as important, even in good things. Because of Martha's lack in prioritizing time with Christ, we saw everything else fall out of place, right? She was anxious and she was troubled about many things. She was distracted. Her focus was on the checklist. She's involving her guests into her dispute with her sister, and she's publicly calling her out and sparking all this, this, this drama and issues. On the other hand, we see Mary. She understood the significance of sitting at Jesus' feet. It was like buttoning that top button first. Like, if she missed this, then everything else is out of order. And as I'm sure, as all of you have already begun making plans on the next year, today is the first day of a new year, 2023. I want to challenge you with this question of how will you sit at Jesus' feet more? How will you sit at Jesus' feet more? What is it this year that you want to go after? Throughout this fall, we've been going through this prayer series that's been so awesome. And maybe you want to continue to dive into that. Maybe it looks like just taking intentional time out of your day, just five minutes, just ten minutes of just completely no distractions and just sitting with Christ. Maybe it's going for a prayer walk. Maybe when it's, when it's warmer, right, there's, you know, thankfully we're a little bit warmer now, but we're about to hit the winter, right? It's going to be cold, but, but when it's nicer out, like go for a prayer walk and just spend time just, just being with Christ. Maybe it's being in God's word more. Maybe you want to go after being more consistent in his word. Maybe there's a book you've never read, or you've never read the Bible from cover to cover. Like, go for it. This year, the, today's the first day you, you aren't behind. You're right on track. 
Maybe you are desiring to step into a new area of ministry or service. Like, we have all kinds of roles where you can jump in right now. And, and it's, um, you know, we, we'd love to, to have you in that. Maybe it's serving at a nonprofit or a Christian ministry in the St. Louis area. Maybe there's an area of your life where you've been struggling in sin in this last year and you want to go after making steps and experiencing victory in that particular area. Whatever that thing is in your mind, we, we know that New Year's resolutions, right, they reveal a desire within us for change. And whatever that goal is for the next year, we tend to go all in. Like our thoughts, our actions, our money, everything about it is moved towards making those goals a reality. And I encourage you, make those goals have good intentional plans for next year, but don't lose sight of what's truly important, as we saw in Martha. Man, I encourage you, and whatever that thing is that you're thinking of, as a physical reminder, I have a button, and I, I have a whole case of them up here, and I, at the end of service, I want everyone, if you're under the sound of my voice, to come up and grab one. And it seems silly, but it, it can go by your bed. It can go on your mirror. You can have a string around it and put it in your car. You can leave it at your desk at work, or you can put it in your wallet, however this would best serve you. I want everyone to have a button because it's a physical reminder to choose the good portion by sitting at Jesus' feet. Because that is the one thing that is necessary. We, we can make all the plans in the world, but if we miss this one thing, if we miss the top button, everything else is, is secondary. It, 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 the consequences of that increase. So however, however it would serve you, I want everyone to have a button. I'll have extras. If you're online, come find me. I'll have them next week. They'll be in my office. I want you to have one. And I, and I pray that this will be a physical reminder to pursue Christ even more in, in this next year because sitting at Jesus' feet is the good portion. May we not lose sight of Christ as we gear up for next year. May we run after the Lord together in this upcoming year with this renewed passion, this renewed desire to be at Jesus' feet. Stand with me. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, God, thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are sovereign, that you are in control, that you are worthy of our trust and our relationship. God, that when, we, when we sit at your feet, it is the most important thing. It's the only thing that's necessary. We thank you for this story this morning that Mary understood the significance of who you were. That being at your feet was the most important thing. And God, I pray in, as we plan for next year, as we consider what it looks like that we want to go after in our own lives, I pray that we wouldn't leave you out of it. That we would consider the story of Martha. She was distracted and she had all of this checklist of all these things she wanted to do. But she missed it. God, we surrender to you and we submit all of our plans over to you as you do a fresh work in us in this year, in 2023. And God, it's your precious name that we pray all these things. In your name.